You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here is Matt Hatfield. Good Saturday morning. It's the 22nd day of April, the year 2023, and it is another edition of 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered each and every week by Larry King Law. If you're injured in an accident, you know who to call at 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D for Larry King. Matt Hatfield here with you. A.J. Risser, other side of the glass. How was your week in the start of your weekend, uh, A.J.? Pretty good. The O's are right there nipping at the Rays' heels. Uh, what are they, second place in the ALEs? Not yeah, too shabby. second uh, place. Ahead I'm... of Ed's Yanks and the Blue Jays, huh? Yeah, I, and you know, the, the problem is that over their last two series, they've really been playing down. When you, you hate to see that. Play down to your opponents. I mean, what, I think they scored uh, a total of three runs against the Nationals. Uh, now, granted, the pitching is something that we were worried about up until that series against Washington, but they shut out the Nats completely. Well, I was just about to say the schedule has hit a little bit of a softer point, much like the Rays uh, had to begin the season when they faced, what was it, Oakland? And they fa- and by the way, Oakland is so bad. I'll get to that a little bit later. If, if we have time and people care, they probably don't care. We, we will have time, I guess. But a uh, nice little little cushion to get the Nats, the uh, I guess to call them the uh, Beltway crosstail rival, if you will. And uh, they're right there. They're going to be in the mix, it looks like, all year long, which will be fun for folks. Uh, a lot happening in the world of sports. In fact, yesterday I was uh, sitting in for Tim on the uh, Tim Donnelly show over at the uh, Three Notch Brewery in Town Center in Virginia Beach for the 50th induction weekend of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Last week on the program, we had on Will Driscoll, the executive director. And I know uh, going on right now, they've got the Breakfast of Champions being uh, emceed by the great Katie Collette from Wavy TV 10 as they're uh, introducing the class of inductees to the uh, audience out there and they'll have the vip reception the ceremony tonight uh if you didn't catch last week's show well the podcast is available on espn radio 941.com the nine inductees featuring the likes of uh, joe montgomery out of brookville high school standout center at william and mary uh, also you have jimmy laycock who was the coach at william and mary after lou holtz a uh, longtime coach of the tribe where he won 249 games, seven conference titles in his 39 seasons, decorated career at William & Mary in Williamsburg. Uh, D'Angelo Hall, who played at Deep Creek High School in Chesapeake, went on to start Virginia Tech and then was a first-round pick by the Atlanta Falcons, also played for Washington and Oakland, three-time pro bowler. Uh, he'll be in town tonight at the induction ceremony. He's in town now as we speak. Uh, UVA flavor with Sean Moore, Martinsville native, who was the quarterback for the Cavaliers, 1990 ACC Player of the Year who uh, set numerous records. Jerry Ratcliffe covered him as a sports writer, and good to see that the media members get in this Hall of Fame. I know it was last year or year before, Bruce Rader from Wavy Tent, TV 10 was uh, inducted. We've had David Teal on the show, longtime sports writer, and Jerry Ratcliffe has been covering sports for more than four decades, uh, specifically in that Charlottesville area in Central Virginia, and he's got a website now on jerryratcliffe.com. You'll probably hear a conversation with Jerry that will play on the show in the coming weeks, talking about where UVA is now and uh, UVA in general. And speaking of UVA, you'll hear a conversation later on in the program with Tony Elliott, the current head football coach of the Cavaliers, all you Wahoo fans out there, as we caught up with him this week at the Virginia Beach Sports Club luncheon. So a lot of UVA for you today on the program. Bob Rotans, who was a lacrosse great at Roanoke College, was national player of the year at Roanoke College, which is hard to think uh, D3, some of the D1 schools they beat. Uh, Sheila Trice Myers from Louisa County, uh, who set numerous records in track and field, NCAA records 
at CNU. And uh, I'm leaving a couple people out. Oh, Ryan Zimmerman. We caught up with him yesterday. Uh, and if you missed some of our interviews yesterday during the Tim Donnelly show, it's up on the podcast page on ESPN Radio 941.com. I'm sure some will be played back during the 757 at 6. And we'll have some other sound bites in the uh, days and weeks to come here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I think that covers all nine of them uh, yesterday. But a great time out there. And uh, again, the Westin Hotel tonight for the reception, VIP reception and the induction ceremony, which has been sold out. So if you haven't gotten a ticket, uh, unfortunately, you're out of luck, but they will have the uh, induction speeches online through the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame social pages and their website at vasportshof.com. So great to see that. Another induction class, the 50th induction weekend with the Hall. One to get that out of the way as we start the show. And yesterday, as I was filling in, they have a Virginia for cover segment, AJ. And if you listen, I got everybody some money out there. My three picks were winners yesterday with Trey Young over one and a half threes, Carl Anthony Towns over 20 and a half points for the Wolves. And the Boston Bruins covering the puck line. I said P-U-C-K, everybody out there. The guy said something bad. I said puck line for the uh, Bruins in their hockey match against Florida last night to go up two games to one. They won four to two. It was one and a half. So got you three wins there. I can't, I can't, uh, you know, take responsibility or blame for my man Robbie not getting his last one to go through for us to get the audience some money. But that's okay. Uh, we we did get you three victories uh, there, and. Uh, We'll see what we can do later on today. We'll blame that on Coach Young, who's not here with us today, but he will be with us by phone. He's not in with us in studio. We always blame anything that goes wrong on Coach Young. It's, e- it's an easy way out, uh, and it's always generally the right way out. So uh, we'll blame it on him, and he will be coming on later because he has a rant for the ages, AJ. You're going to be ready for this today. This is going to be a good one. Later. I might join him. You might join him. I might join oh, him. Oh, I don't know. He, he's going to be – he it's is like so death. fired up for this, ladies and gents. And it is high school sports related for our loyal, dedicated, passionate fans out there that love their high school sports. And I'm sure we'll be having all the uh, great callers out there from Keith to you name who call it in as they want to know about their team's schedules, which will be coming out soon, by the way. Literally, you'll be getting high school football schedules out pretty soon here. I know we got spring sports going on with baseball and softball and lacrosse. And we'll be sprinkling in some coaches here in the uh, weeks to come here and there as teams get closer and closer to playoff action. Probably get our guy on from the 757 soccer site on to hit a little bit on soccer, uh, this and that in between. But uh, this is a good one today. I know he saw this story I sent him from the inside Nova, and it's got him all fired up and burned up and steam was coming out of his head. I could see the steam through facebook that's how how much the steam was so a lot happening there so uh phone lines are open if you want to hop in with us at 757-687-9494 anything on your mind it can be high school sports related local sports related with the hall of fame it can be college and pro sports related the nfl draft is five days away who are your ravens taking have you even have you paid much attention to the draft and the uh Stuff coming up with him. We got a draft guest coming up in the next segment of the show in Shane Hallam of NFL Draft Countdown. He's a very busy guy. We were going to get him on the 11 o'clock hour, but he's got, I think, another appearance. He's coming on with us at 1025 Eastern this morning. NFLDraftCountdown.com. It used to be run by Scott Wright, who uh, was in the Madden video games, by the way, his Draft Countdown site. I don't know if you've played those and seen it, the draft boards. And now Shane Hallam and some others have taken over that site, and they do a great job with it with very comprehensive mock drafts and rankings and all kinds of great material. We've had Scott on in the past. We've had Shane on in the past. And uh, I have not paid as much attention to this year's draft, AJ. I, I said some things about it yesterday in terms of I don't think it's as top-heavy and as deep and rich in talent as other drafts. Uh, my Cardinals are picking third. Uh, do you do you have any idea where your Ravens are going? And, and do you where do you want them to go? Well, here's the thing. If you look at pre-OBJ sign, Pre-OBJ, okay. Then, then there's there's a legit chance they draft a quarterback. Like, there is an absolute legit chance. 
Would you want to move up for that, or would you want to wait to get that quarterback? They wouldn't be moving up. I mean, they would they would look at where Anthony Richardson would go. That was their very raw. That was their guy. They met with him multiple times. I think he was the only quarterback they met with more than twice. Really? Um, But now you look at after post OBJ signing, and there's absolutely no way you go draft a rookie quarterback. After spending upwards of close, I guess, after all the guarantees and incentives, $18 million for a receiver for one year. By the way, I want to get this out. I said NFL draft. It's draftcountdown.com. There's no NFL before it, I guess, because the NFL didn't want it to be like it was owned by them. It's just regular draftcountdown.com. Shane's got a mock draft up there, as does one of the other uh, reporters and writers up there uh, for the site, Brian uh, Bossarge. But Shane, in his mock draft for your Ravens, just looking at it, he's got my Cardinals taking Will Anderson third overall, the edge player from Alabama, which I would love. Uh, your Ravens, he's got Emmanuel Forbes, the corner from Mississippi State. Feels like there's some decent corners, whether it be what Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. The one that's really high up on people's boards is the corner Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. But uh, that could be a, a route they go. I, and I think that is exactly where they go. Yeah. Uh, because if you look at what they've – what over the last year, I mean, we talked about this uh, several weeks ago. Chuck Clark, you know, he gets traded out. Uh, you look at Marcus Peters after coming back from that injury; he definitely was not the same last year. Were um, you worried? Or were you, I'm going to say worried. Were you saddened that the local product in Chuck Clark out of Kings oh, Fork was dealt uh, former absolutely. Virginia Tech, and uh, it was a good safety, dependable yeah, safety. Yeah, and it's and that's the thing. It's not like he was, you know, Pro Bowl Troy Polamalu, right. Ed Reed style safety, but he was what many looked at as the glue in that defense and in that secondary. No. Something that they hadn't had since Ray Lewis back in the day, where you had that guy that everyone could really just depend on. Uh, so I, I think with all of that, and then you go back to Jimmy Smith retiring a couple years ago, everything that they've lost in that secondary absolutely points to a corner. And even if they don't get a deal with Lamar Dunn this year and he ends up playing on the tag, obviously there's always next year to to get that done. But I think that this year is kind of all in for Baltimore. I, I think if they don't at least make the AFC championship game this year. I'm not saying they're not going to try to re-sign Lamar because that's just the the dumbest thing you could say. But I think that major changes will happen this year if they don't make it to at least the AFC championship game. Yeah, I think there's there's going to be a lot of pressure. And that could be a lot to make the AFC championship game with what the uh, Chiefs have done lately, the Bengals with Joe Burrow. And certainly people are excited about Jacksonville's youth with Trevor Lawrence leading the way at quarterback. The Bills... Expect to be in the mix again. If the Jets do get Aaron Rodgers discount double check, they could be right there with a really good defense. And who knows what what transpires? But uh, so the draft's coming up, and there's not really a lot of. I know there's a couple of ODU players like Zach Kuntz, for example, the tight end who could go somewhere in that third, fourth round. There's not as many local products that I can remember uh, as far as they played their high school ball, even college ball in the seven five seven that we're looking at for first second round grade. I remember we had Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa from Bethel a couple years ago, and he's become a cornerstone early in his career with the Cleveland Browns. We've had some others that run a defensive lineman where we had uh, Jalen Holmes, who's been in studio with us a couple of times from Lake Taylor. We've had Andrew Brown, Derek Noddy, who's won another ring with the Kansas City Chiefs from Ocean Lakes High School. There's not as much of that flavor. I feel like after you get past the quarterbacks, I made this comparison yesterday on the airwaves that this draft, uh, AJ, reminds me a lot of the 2013 NFL draft, and that's 10 years ago, so it's a good time to go. You know, you pick a lot of increments in 5, 10, 15, 20. 10 years ago, the draft did not have a quarterback, though, chosen until the 15th overall pick, which was E.J. Manuel to the Bills. 
out of a nearby Bayside High School in Virginia Beach. And we love EJ. He's been on with us numerous times. He's done football camps in the area. He's just a terrific young man. He's been on the ACC. He does the ACC Network now, college football. And I think he got a little bit of a raw deal there. Nonetheless, he wasn't the first-round huge success hit that you would expect a quarterback pick that high to be. And the 14 guys in front of him weren't that great either, or 15 guys in front of him, because your list was just four Pro Bowlers with Eric Fisher, Luke Jockel, Deion Jordan, Lane Johnson, Zeke Anza, Barkevius Mingo, Jonathan Cooper, Tavon Austin, D. Milliner, Chance Warmack, DJ Fluker, DJ Hayden, Sheldon Richardson, Star, Lutalele, and Kenny Vaccaro. Your Pro Bowlers were Johnson, Anza, Richardson, and Eric Fisher. Nobody you say is a lock for Hall of Fame, and that might be the worst draft in the last 25 years. This one, you have Bryce Young at the top, you have some good pieces. But to me, there's a lot more misses I see in the first round potentially than you say, oh, he's going to be a marquee, steel stud, great pick. This could be a rough draft, and that's why I think you'll see people trading down and maneuvering backwards because they're going to look at the 24 draft with Caleb Williams coming out for Southern Cal and some other – I think there's better linemen in some of these future drafts in addition to some skill position pieces. This is not a draft that I say, oh, my goodness, there's just talent up and down. That's why the Bears traded down from the first pick. Well, and you think about how the NFL has changed when it comes to quarterbacks over the last, I, I mean, 10 years. And it's, there's no more, there's no more, we're going to develop this guy. No. Quarterbacks used to be, we're going to draft you really early and we're going to, we're going to develop you. And now it's, if you're not good after two years, they're looking to move on. I mean, the, the Jets were so high a couple of years ago on Zach. And then, oh, Wilson, yeah, he's and, and now it's like, yeah, we're going to bring in an 80 year old quarterback. To replace you. But that was my problem with Emmanuel. He got like, I think, 19 career starts or thereabouts with Buffalo. And we, while he wasn't viewed as an Aaron Rodgers because there were some quarterbacks from that time that were such major successes, we just wrote him off as opposed to letting him develop and learn and, and find the right system. They had some coaching changes from Doug Marone to Rob, uh, Rex Ryan. And I just didn't feel like it was a great fit. And people wrote him off right away. If you don't hit it right away as a, as a young quarterback in the league, they turn to page. They're, the patience level, it is, it's not there anymore. It's non-existent. Yeah, and, and I mean, you look at guys like the Chargers who essentially, based on what we've seen so far, just drafted another Phillip Rivers. He's going to be really good in the pre. Well, in, Justin in Herbert's putting up great numbers, and I told people this after a year. They were all down on Tua Tungavailoa, and they're like, oh, Tua's a bust. They should have taken Herbert. Tua's problem hasn't been his performance. Is, is he gets hit, and he's, and he's fragile, which is not so much a knock as it's just the nature of they keep throwing the guy out there with concussions and it's it's going to be a detriment to the guy's health and safety in his life at this point but he's performed as you saw with wide receivers oh, once he got weapons when he got Tyreek Hill who by the way we mentioned uh, recently he'll be in town he will be in town and we're going to try to get Tyreek on the show coming up at the Virginia Beach Sportsplex for a camp he's doing um, and you've also got Waddle from Alabama receiver opposite him you get a, a, a quarterback, a young quarterback, some great weaponry or protection, time to throw. A lot of these quarterbacks get hit right away. It's a big deal. But I, I look at those quarterbacks beyond Bryce Young, who's expected to be the first pick to Carolina, and there's a lot of talk now that C.J. Stroud, and I'll ask this to Shane coming up, why is he sliding? I mean, I feel like people said it's because of this Because of Academy. Brady Quinn, that is exactly Brady Quinn, why. Like, really? That's why the guy is sliding now? And I mean, I thought he had a really good career at Ohio State. I think he's mobile. I think he's a safe, solid pick. I don't see a lot of risks with him. And then you've got guys like Levis from Kentucky, Richardson from Florida, that could be leapfrogging him out of the SEC that were not as consistent and productive. Granted, you could say those programs don't have the weaponry and talent and systems around them that Ohio State does. I just think it's a it's a screw move. And it reminds me of quarterbacks like Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers that slid. I don't know that Stroud's going to have that type of success, but I say be careful. Be careful taking someone uh, third, fourth, and 
He's not the only guy sliding. That big defensive lineman from Georgia, Jalen Carter, is also supposedly sliding on the draft board out of the top five, possibly out of the top ten, which would really be something as he's had some off-the-field issues attributing to that. So uh, we'll see what happens with the draft coming up, and we'll talk with Shane about that. Also, we'll have Chris Monter, who's been a staple on these airwaves for many, many, many years, even before our show. Uh, Ed, Ed takes claim and credit for discovering him, which he might have at the PIT. I think Chris disputes that to a degree. Nonetheless, we'll have Chris Monter on 11 o'clock hour to talk NBA playoffs. As he was in Minnesota, he lives in Minnesota last night, and at the game for the Wolves and Nuggets game number three. Did you watch any of that Wolves-Nuggets game, which did not go I Minnesota's way? I, yeah, I didn't catch that one. I, uh, you know, I was kind of right? talking before the game. I was watching that Atlanta game, and just, you know, even with Atlanta getting a win, I'm just like, they're so done. They're so done. You think they're so done at 2-1? to one? Yeah. Really? Uh, I mean, look, and it's not like it's been anything they new. They did shoot great. It's, I don't see it being yeah, a repeat effort. It's, I it's nothing new with them, and it's worked in the past, but they haven't been able to reach the finals. You know, they a couple years ago when they got into that uh, that Eastern Conference Finals against, who is that, Milwaukee, well, but I think? No, who, who, okay, hold on a second. Who has thought that the Atlanta Hawks would be a finalist type of team, to be honest with you? I mean, that you, conference final run was a little Look bit at the names on that team. How can you not expect them to oh, at least make some noise? What names? John Trey Collins, oh. Trey Young. You have DeAndre Hunter, who's a very dependable option from the wing. I from mean, UVA. that team has developed over the no. last couple years. But the problem Better tell is— Better Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly. Come I'm, on. That's, that's where I'm getting at, is, oh, that, no. is that the fact is that they're nothing but ISO. And if they can hit shots, that's great. But they hit they shots. coaches one, during the season. One game out of seven, they hit shots. I mean, listen, they changed coaches during the season from Nate McMillan, who I thought got a raw deal. We had Bob Rathbun on about this a couple weeks ago. And, and you, if you read between the lines with what Bob said, he sort of hinted at that to a degree. Great guy, but Quinn Snyder wasn't working. The players tuned him out. Quinn Snyder comes in, used to coach the Jazz, used to coach Missouri many moons ago. And uh, the Hawks don't play great defense. Now, the Celtics didn't play great defense last night. But Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford. I don't want to channel my inner Kendrick Perkins here. But the Boston Celtics, AJ, are the best team in the Eastern oh, Conference I, if you don't. Well, actually, I might agree. the Bucks have Giannis healthy, they're the best team. But, uh, no, I think Atlanta, they're a 41-41 team for a reason. They're mediocre. They did get DeJounte Murray. But you've got two guys that are sort of kind of the same type of player with Young and Murray in that backcourt. And I, I don't see them. I haven't seen them, even when they got to the conference finals, when Philadelphia gagged it away with Doc Rivers and company, I haven't seen them as a finalist candidate out of the Eastern Conference. No, ever. absolutely not. I mean, they, and the, you said, I think we're both on the same page here. It's like they should be able to do more than what they've been doing. I mean, you go back to yeah. when, when, when Trey Young became the villain in New York in that, that series against the Knicks a couple years ago. It might I, have been the Knicks' I, problems more than the, the I, Hawks' I, success. Well, that, what I'm saying, though, I thought that was like, yep, this is where Trey Young really becomes the staple. I mean, I know he is the face, but this is where I thought he became one of the staples in the NBA. And no. It's it's the same old boring ISO. I'm gonna try to get a foul by, you know, flopping a little bit on a drive. I'm gonna do this little floater that's gonna hit, you know, forty percent of the time. And and every now and then I'm gonna have a game where that hits like seventy five percent of the time. Sixteen teams in the league. The Wolves are like that in the Western Conference for that matter. By the way, speaking of you brought up the Knicks, how about the Knicks defense last night? Was that the first team all year? Points. First team all year that's been held under 80 points in an NBA regular season or playoff game. That reminded me of the old 95-96 Knicks. It's ugly. I mean, that was that was old school basketball. The Cavs couldn't throw it in the ocean last night. Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell did okay, but Darius Garland had a bad game after a great game too. So the Knicks could be uh, well on their way with Spike Lee rooting them on from the Garden to get to the uh, conference semifinals. Then they might have their hands full with Milwaukee should Giannis be back to full strength or close to it by then. So we'll talk about uh, NBA playoffs and maybe a couple things in the draft, too, with Chris Monter, the Monter Draft News, college basketball news coming up at 11 o'clock hour. And 
Also take your phone calls at 757-687-9494. Let's take a timeout, though. Shane Hallam's coming up next right here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk to Talk NFL Draft right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here is Matt Hatfield. Everybody's looking forward to the NFL draft. Draft parties all around, including one here in Hampton Roads. If you listen to Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, you know all about that. And we're now pleased to be joined on the program. Matt Hatfield here with you by a special guest. He works for one of the very best sites out there giving you draft coverage. Comprehensive for many, many years. See it online at DraftCountdown.com. You can follow them on Twitter at DraftCountdown. We're pleased to be joined by the managing partner of Draft Countdown. He covers everything from the NFL to college football, fantasy football, and he gives you in-depth, comprehensive coverage. Shane Hallam with us. Shane, how you doing? It's a busy time of year and a fun time of year. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, we're, we're less than a week away. This is, uh, this is like Christmas morning for me. We're getting pretty close. Well, I was saying earlier in the show that I feel like that this draft may not be as top-heavy or as deep and rich in talent as some previous ones. In some ways, it reminds me a little bit of the 2013 draft. Granted, we have more quarterbacks that could go to the front. We don't have as many offensive-defensive linemen projected as that draft did 10 years ago. But on the positive side, while that might be viewed as a negative, there could be a lot more excitement and unpredictable twists and turns come later first run in rounds two and three. How do you view the draft in totality? And certainly the quarterbacks are always the big talk, especially once you get past the projected first pick in Bryce Young. We expect to go to Carolina at number one. Uh, I think it's a, a good draft, but like you said, it's it's not top heavy. I think it's deep. I think day two, the Friday round two, round three is where a lot of the value is going to be where you have premium positions, edge rushers. I think the the depth at offensive tackle is good, even if we don't have the elite, you know, top five, top ten kind of pick talent. Um, so so I, I think this draft will be solid. But the first round, it does make it unpredictable. A lot of teams only have 10 to 15 players even graded as first-round picks. That means that late first round is going to be pretty wild. Um, the, the quarterbacks are interesting after Bryce Young uh, in terms of where they're going to fall. I think we still see the, the Indianapolis Colts take one at four. And I know there's a lot of rumors someone's got to move up to three, whatever, and, and take a quarterback. I'm just not sure it's going to happen. It seems like the Texans are probably going to pass at two, even though everyone expected them to take a quarterback. Maybe they take Will Levis from Kentucky later. I think the Colts maybe could be interested in for C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson out of Florida. And I think the Tennessee Titans at 11 have been the other team that's going to kind of clean up the value and take that fourth one. Do you see a trade in spots two, three, or four with Houston, Arizona, Indianapolis, ultimately because there's been some whispers out there that that could be what takes place here? From what I'm hearing, it looks like the Texans and the Cardinals are trying to move down from two and three, but it's been a little bit lukewarm to get someone to move up. I think now that Bryce Young is off the board, teams aren't wholly comfortable with the rest of this draft, that there's like a player that they want. doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Maybe the, the, the Cardinals, especially at three, I think would be the spot if someone does move up. If they lower the price a little bit, it's a little bit of a bargain to go up and get the quarterback that a team wants, like Tennessee, like the Las Vegas Raiders. Then they might jump on that opportunity. Uh, or even a defensive player. We, uh, we have a couple really good defensive players in this draft. If Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, falls down there. But uh, ultimately, I, I think the top five or so picks are going to stay intact at this point. 
Neat thing about your website at draftcountdown.com, Shane, is you all don't just throw up there a mock draft and that's what it is. Anybody can almost blog do that, but you all evaluate players and do rankings and really go in depth on it. So give me a few players. It can be first round level talent at any spot, whether it be quarterback, running back, receiver, skill guy, defensive guys, or even beyond that, that you feel are undervalued and may go lower than they should and will ultimately be steals for whoever picks them. Uh, one player I think is a little bit undervalued, especially right now in, in the, the mock draft community and in, in NFL draft communities, Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia. A lot of times you see him falling to the late first round or teams taking him at the end of the first. I think this is a legitimate top 10 talent. I think he's going to go in the top 10 of the draft. Uh, 6'2", 238, five-star, number one overall recruit. Super athletic, had one of the best combines this year. And, you know, Georgia can produce those pass rushers. I think Nolan Smith's going to go really high. I think he's, he's undervalued. Um, I think at the corner position, there's, there, it's such a really good position this year. I really like Emmanuel Forbes, the corner out of Mississippi State. He's getting undervalued because he came in at the combine at 166 pounds, which is super tiny for a corner, but he had five pick sixes in his career. He's an absolute ball playing machine. I, I think the team that drafts him, I think he sneaks into the first round and the team that drafts him is going to be super happy. And then one guy I think will go day two that I really like is Tucker Kraft, the tight end from South Dakota state. You're going to hear a lot about these tight ends. He kind of gets left behind, but um, I, I have up, up on the site, my, my comps as prospects, my pre-draft notes on Travis Kelsey, align almost perfectly with Tucker Kraft. Injuries kind of knocked him down. He looks a little bit slower after the injuries, but tough. Finds the hole in the zone, catches the ball, runs guys over. I think it's a name to remember in round three. I just told my producer, AJ, keep that name Tucker Kraft in the back of your head when you do your fantasy football draft. You get the last pick next uh, August, and people are saying, who is this guy, Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State? Well, Shane Hallam just told you about him here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 as we talk about the NFL draft coming up on Thursday. We'll have coverage for you courtesy of ESPN Radio after Tides Baseball joining progress coming up on Thursday here on 94.1. And you mentioned the uh, corners. It is a really good corner draft, as you said there, Shane, with not just, I mean, you look at uh, certainly Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. You've got obviously Joey Porter Jr., Penn State, Devon Witherspoon, Illinois. Do you have even Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State? Do you have a corner to you like above the rest in that pack where they all could go anywhere from that, I guess, five to 25 range perhaps uh, christian gonzalez is my number one uh, the, the corner from oregon that you mentioned i just think he has the complete tool set 6-1-197 super smooth athlete to transition between the back pedal and turning and running with the receiver he's rarely out of position and he's not a big interception guy i think that's the one knock and why Maybe he's not on that level of Soft Gardner or Derek Stingley last year, but I think Gonzalez should be. I think he's going to be a rock-solid cornerback one. So he, he's kind of my, my corner one. I really like Joey Porter Jr. Um, I don't think he'll be the second corner off the board, but he's my number two just for the physicality of the line. This is a physical cornerback class. I mean, Joey Porter, Deontay Banks from Maryland could go in the first round. Cam Smith from South Carolina could go in the first round. These are guys that can press that can jam. I think we're lacking that in the NFL right now, so I think teams are going to be interested. Well, it's interesting. You bring it up about that being lacked, and we remember the days not too long ago of Revis Island with the Jets at corner. How what a premium those guys can be. Richard Sherman, who's been viewed as in the past a lockdown type of corner there, and what the Seahawks have with the Legion of Boom with someone from our area, Cam Chancellor at safety. Looking at that, flipping it to the offensive side of the ball, you brought up Kraft. There's some really good tight ends uh, even above him, like Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, who I know did not play in that Rose Bowl against Penn State. 
Could a tight end or two, even just be, besides Kraft, be a difference maker in that first round for a team and maybe a contending team here trying to get that difference maker piece like we see the Chiefs had with a Travis Kelsey? I, I think so. I think we're going to see a lot of tight ends from this draft end up emerging as starters. Maybe not as rookies, but year two, year three, it usually takes that position a little more time. I think Michael Mayer from Notre Dame is the best. At 18 years old, he was he was chopping up defenses and making catches and, and finding ways to get open. Uh, to me, at a, at a blue blood program like Notre Dame, if you can do that, you deserve to go high. I know the Dallas Cowboys are interested in him. Uh, I, I like Dalton Kincaid. I think if if it wasn't for the back issue where he, you know, he had a back injury this season and there was some medical questions. He's been cleared, but teams are always going to be a little more cautious. I think he could be a top 15 pick in the draft could end up being a steal for, for a team like the Packers or, or the Bengals who really need a tight end if he's there. So I think Kincaid goes in the first round and, and, and watch out for Darnell Washington, the big tight end from Georgia, six, seven, two sixty four. He basically is a right tackle playing tight end and he's super athletic so maybe you can use it as a pass catcher use him in the red zone really intriguing he's on that first round fringe as well I want to ask about the Buckeye guys because we know about the run that in years past Miami had getting all these first round picks more recently we've seen Alabama and Georgia pile up first round selections and Alabama could have you know two of the top three guys taken Georgia could have you know three or four in the top 10 15 here and Ohio State's got guys that will go in the top 10 15 here we expect with CJ Stroud obviously you also have uh, Paris Johnson offensive tackle you have Jackson Smith and Jigba wide receiver I want to start with Jigba first here he had such a remarkable Rose Bowl a couple years ago and it feels like he could have almost the Jamar chase type of impact when it's all said and if he's healthy because he has all the tools here what's the read on him and people not liking him as much is it because of that hamstring and where do you see him ultimately going and fitting i think not playing this year hurt him uh, teams just want, want to see you go out there and compete and he, he tried there a couple times he tried to go out couldn't do it i think that's part of it i think the other part is that he played in the slot his entire career. Now we've seen players play in the slot in college and, and transition to the outside. Justin Jefferson, uh, the great Minnesota Vikings receiver being one, I think J- JSN could do it if he was asked to do it. But uh, I mean, the quickness, his agility drills were off the charts at the combine. And you see it on film. Like, he gets open right off the first step. Uh, even when guys are playing tight, you, you can't press him because he'll get past you. And if you play off, man, he, he just transitions and cuts right in that route. Uh, so I think he's the top receiver in this draft. I think a team will ultimately draft him in the top 15 and, and be happy. I think it could end up being a, a value. And he could be a top 10 NFL receiver. One of the things that's really puzzling me is why is C.J. Stroud presumed to be, and you might not feel that he is slipping at all, slipping in this draft. He has weapons like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who didn't play this year, obviously, except a couple of games. Marvin Harrison Jr., who's going to be a big-time prospect, we expect, here in a year or so. And there's a lot of talk he could free fall even. Are you buying that? And are you even buying that these comments that Brady Quinn had recently, I think on a podcast or a show, not going to the Manning Academy, question about how he can perform in the pocket isn't clean and blah, blah, blah. Do you buy any of that at all? I, I, I don't. <laughs> like, it's just it's it's small things. We've had players, quarterbacks with much bigger issues uh, who still got high or, or hasn't been kind of bashed like this. Um, it almost feels to me, and maybe it's a conspiracy theory, but that someone is trying to get him to fall a little bit, right? There's a team out there just, just tossing out these little things 
to see if someone will pass on him. Uh, I, I think he falls a little bit. You know, he could have been the number one overall pick. Obviously, won't be that anymore. With Bryce Young is going to go there. Uh, but I, I think four to the Colts makes a lot of sense. That they could be the team that really they need a, a rookie quarterback. They want a rookie quarterback, and it would make sense to me that they want Stroud um, and, and hope they could kind of convince other other people. You know, he is. There's some concerns that he did have the best receiving group in, in college football almost every year. Marvin Harrison, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave, and JSN. But so, so I think there's concerns there, but I have a feeling Stroud's still going to go in the top ten. A few minutes here with Shane Hallam of DraftCountdown.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at DraftCountdown. Check out the website at DraftCountdown.com here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, your flagship home for ODU football. There's a guy or two from ODU that you have uh, being taken in this draft, including Zach Kuntz, the big tight end. Tell me more about him and the Monarchs prospects in your eyes there, Shane. Look, Zach Kuntz had the most athletic combine of a tight end ever. Uh, he, he's a 100% athlete, so the 6'6", 255 frame with the athleticism, the, the speed, the jumping ability, the explosion, and there's a lot to like about him. He's still pretty raw as a player. I think there's still a lot of technique issues to clean up, but at day three, I think a team's going to look at him on the board and say, look, we can turn this guy into a real weapon. Uh, I think Zach Koontz could be is going to be a top 150 pick, and uh, he'll, he'll get his chance maybe to be a starter down the line. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think in your latest mock draft, you also have the offensive lineman from Old Dominion, Nick Saldaveri, going around 101 to the 49ers, so he could slide into possibly round three in your eyes? Yeah, I, I think Nick Saldaveri is a really good player. I think the versatility he brings to the table helps because he could be a tackle, he could be a guard. We saw a little bit of center even at the Senior Bowl this year from him. Uh, Rock-solid footwork and arm placement. I mean, he, he his hands are just always in the perfect place. And we saw some dominating games from him in Old Dominion. I think Nick Saldaveri definitely has a shot at the third round. Worst case, you're looking at a team I mean, getting a steal in the fourth or the fifth. And I can see him going in the fourth or fifth and end up being a starter as a rookie by the end of the year. Wow, that's big praise there for uh, big Nick Saldaveri from ODU. Uh, going back to the, the early part of this first round, and, you know, I think ever since, correct me if I'm wrong here, Ricky Williams, who was taken so high, the Saints mortgage their future. We haven't seen running backs go so high in the first round because running backs, the, you know, their their lifespan, if you will, in the NFL as being that elite back aren't as long as it used to be back in the days of the, the Jim Brown or even when we grew up around the 90s with Emmitt Smith and Barry Sanders. You do have B. John Robinson, like a lot of people, going in the top 10 out of Texas. A, how high can he go ultimately come Thursday? And B, is there a big separation between him and the next best running back in this class? A couple good questions there because, uh, you know, the last time we've seen this has been 2018. Saquon Barkley went second overall. I, I, I think that's out the window even a couple years later now where no one's taken B. John Robinson second overall anymore. I think his ceiling, he could probably go as high as eight, uh, eight to Atlanta. Seems like a, a decent fit. And then I think nine and ten, Chicago at nine, the Eagles at ten, maybe even the Eagles move down a little bit and take them later, I think is possible. I think there's a big step between him and Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama, who's the number two running back, just due to size. B. John Robinson, 221 pounds to Jameer Gibbs, 199. I think that's the big difference there. And B. John could do it all. He, he is an elite running back in terms of pure grade, regardless of era and value of position. He's one of my highest rated running backs that I've scouted in my almost 20 years doing this. He's that good. And the question just is now, how do you want to use him? He, he's, he's an ultimate weapon. So you can line him up at receiver. Texas did that. Um, and I think that's why he's going to go high. I do think Jameer Gibbs has a lot of T. 
teams that like him and think, yeah, I could pass on Bijan and maybe take Gibbs top of round two or late in round one and not have to worry about it. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see these two go in similar spots, not too far, maybe 10, 12 picks away from each other. But uh, ultimately, it's a really good running back class, and I think Bijan's going to be one of the best in the NFL right off the bat. Last one, and we thank you so much for coming on the program. I'll give you a chance to tell people what they can find on your website, your YouTube channel, your social pages, Shane. But uh, come Friday, come next weekend, give us sort of the takeaways, what we're talking about, maybe a team or two you see making a maneuver or two that's shrewd. What's kind of the ultimate takeaways if you had to you know, look into your crystal ball and forecast what we're all discussing here and dissecting uh, five, six, seven days from now? So my guess is we're going to be talking about uh, the quarterbacks, right? We're always talking about them. I think we're going to see a couple fall out of the first, uh, out of the first top ten picks. Um, you know, everyone's kind of expecting one, two, three, four, but I think we might be talking, oh, you know, Anthony Richardson from Florida, a lot of people at high, he fell to 11, fell to 12. Uh, I think we're going to see a team make a big move at some point. My, my guess is actually the Baltimore Ravens. They're a team that, that likes to move around. Maybe they move up for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Maybe they move up like 10 picks. I could see that happening, and that'd be kind of a big buzz ultimately as uh, things go down. Um, but, but you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a pretty rock-solid first round, and I think it's going to be fun to watch and see how it plays out. Interesting. Maybe another weapon there for the Ravens, whether Lamar's there or not, opposite uh, OBJ. When people go on DraftCountdown.com, what will they see? I think most of the stuff, if I'm not mistaken, is free, and you have a YouTube channel, you have a social page. Tell them what they'll find with your website and all that you do. Yeah, everything's always free at Draft Countdown. So uh, we have rankings. I have uh, news and notes over a thousand prospects I've written up scouting report wise. You can see my seven round mock draft. I'll have a new one coming out the day before the draft as well. Um, follow me on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. Follow Draft Countdown at Draft Countdown. And we're going to be live streaming all three days of the draft. Every single pick, you'll get live analysis on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the draft countdown. Oh, awesome stuff there. When you go up there to draftcountdown.com, you'll be there for a while. You won't click off real quickly. There's a lot to peruse. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy the draft, and I'm sure we'll be in touch, Shane. No, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. Shane Hallam with us from draftcountdown.com, giving you the latest with the draft coming up on Thursday. And again, we'll have coverage for you after Tides Baseball. Join in progress right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. It is 757 Saturday. Sports Talk lines are open at 757-687-9494. We'll be hearing from Coach Ed Young in a little bit. We'll also have our conversation with Tony Elliott and Chris Monter talking NBA playoff action. It's all coming your way. Locked and loaded on your home for sports 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. That's right, ladies and gents. We found them out in the woods. AJ called the local authorities and statewide representatives to get him on the program, Matt Hatfield here with you. AJ Risser, other side of the glass. We just had on Shane Hallam of DraftCountdown.com. If you missed that conversation about the NFL draft, it comes up on Thursday. It'll be up on our podcast page later on ESPN Radio 941.com. But we say good morning to the head basketball coach and my trusty cohort, occasionally trusty, Coach Ed Young. How are you, sir, on this splendid Saturday in April? Good morning, good morning, good, good morning all as the once proud as we used to have from Hampton, the philosopher greets all. Yeah, where is the philosopher? We haven't we haven't talked to him or heard from him or found him in a while. But hey, before we get to a couple of things, including a conversation I had this week, uh, we have some 
breaking news, Ed. It's like the ABC News breaking news. This is not Peter Jennings or Tom Brokaw or whoever else. But uh, Kickatan Athletics has tweeted out that they're proud to announce their new head basketball coach is Dwayne Campbell, who brings over 25 years of experience to the job, the last six serving as an assistant on the staff of Coach Willie Gauze. And uh, there you go. Congrats to Dwayne Campbell, dad of DJ Campbell, former All-State guard who you had to battle with during his freshman year in the overtime regional playoff thriller that you won and still have not paid up your stake to former Coach Willie Gauze, A., and uh, B, Dwayne Campbell, I think, will be joining us next week on the program. There's also a new head basketball coach at Denby and Jay Grimes, who I think will be getting on the show as well. So a couple of new basketball coaches in the PD there. Well, congrats to both uh, gentlemen for uh, taking over those programs. Two very different uh, state of uh, that they're in. Denby uh, has been struggling, but I thought Mike Parham, uh, who stepped down, I thought Mike was getting it on the right track. One with some youngsters. Um, not sure what exactly happened there. And of course, Willie is moving on to. Uh, we're not allowed to announce yet what he's moving on to. No, I don't think so. I don't know that he's announced it. But, but yeah. we ha- well, we can't. We still haven't been able to announce that that you haven't bought a mistake yet, which I'm still disappointed at. You well, have, you're a bet vulture. It'll it'll be reward for his new announcement that we both know, but we're not allowed to say. But um, and for for Campbell getting that position to kick it down, as I said. Debbie trying to grow. Kickatan's already there. Campbell's need to sustain, if not, try to go even deeper. You know, I just hate, hate, hate seeing Willie get out. He's, he's a great guy to go against, great guy to talk to. Um, one of those coaches, when I, you go against him, when I've had the opportunity to go against him, you got to be ready. He's going to do some different things. Kids are always tough to play against. Um, he's, he's just a good, really good for the game. Now, he's not leaving, and I'll leave it at that. And, and and the same thing with Mike, uh, leaving it at Denby. I know Mike has had it tough uh, coming back in it at Denby, and hopefully Mike will stay in the business. I haven't talked to Mike yet. Uh, he'll somehow stay in the business, maybe look for something a little different. Uh, but, again, the two new guys, wish them well as they jump in there, and uh, sometimes, you know, the new blood makes some new things happen. That is true. Well, we have a conversation, Ed, as we're getting ready for football. Even though it's April, it'll be here before you know it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to you know, be talking to different coaches on the high school level, but uh, at this moment in time, this week, my, my co-host here, Mr. Hatfield, was at the Virginia Beach Sports Club Luncheon. Remember, anytime there's a free meal, he's hanging around. This Got time, right. instead of going outside of the kitchen waiting for the scraps, they let him in the front door and actually had a plate for him. So uh, when it was all said and done, uh, he got the chance to speak with Tony Elliott, the head football coach at UVA. Let's hear what he had to say here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We're pleased at this time to be joined by the head football coach in his second year at the helm of the University of Virginia Cavaliers here at the Virginia Beach Sports Club luncheon. Tony Elliott, coach, uh, thank you for stopping by uh, here in the 757 to speak of the sports club. What's this mean to you? Uh, just, it means a lot, first and foremost, to, to be able to thank the folks that support uh, the Virginia Beach Sports Club and uh, all their contributions to the, to the student athletes uh, that work hard and uh, in their in their craft and, and just letting them know that the fruits of their labor uh, will be seen in due time, but just continue to, to sow the positive seeds in the community and, and also have an opportunity to, to get out and just let people know who I am kind of as the person, not just as the persona, but, but as a person, uh, what I'm trying to build at the University of Virginia so that, you know, in due time when, when there's opportunities, they feel good about sending their young men our way. 
Yeah, you spoke really in depth about your upbringing, some of the trials and tribulations, and also the challenges you faced at UVA already. And I think people saw that deeper side of you. I want to go to just the 757 in general, because when you were at Clemson coaching and recruiting, you've had players, you've had players at UVA now from the 757 and you recruited. What's so neat about this specific area in the Commonwealth that you know is so important to the growth of your program moving forward? I mean, it's as, it's as talent rich as, as any area in the country. If you just look at the just the guys that have come out of this area throughout the years. I mean, not just good football players, but great football players, very, very talented and great young men. Uh, so, so that's that's the importance of the 757. And and uh, and as I you know started to learn more about the state of Virginia, you see that it's it's a very dense area where you, you can uh, recruit a lot of guys. They're connected. Uh, they love football. Uh, so it's just it's just a hotbed of talent uh, that. At the University of Virginia, quite frankly, we got to do a better job uh, of recruiting, and, and hopefully, uh, the coaches and all the people since that, you know, with the, with the presence that uh, that we've made thus far uh, in our tenure at Virginia down here in the 757. I'm sure you get approached about this daily, and this is no different here on a day in April. As a head football coach, Division One level, how would you describe in word or words the life of a recruiter, NIL, transfer portal, all those things, and what it all entails these days? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's a whirlwind, to be honest with you. Uh, there's never a dull moment. Uh, there's never a down moment. Uh, so recruiting is now uh, 24-7, 365, uh, but now it's recruiting your own roster just as much as it recruiting uh, the guys that are not on your roster. And so you have to prioritize and uh, make sure that you're that you're paying enough attention to all the different areas. And then you also have to stay versed on, on what's going on in the landscape. You know, what are some other things you can anticipate to change uh, in the near future so that you can adjust and react. Uh, but it's a, it's, it's a challenge. You know, for, for a while, college football, had gone in the direction of really, really trying to uh, help the assistant coach with work-life balance, uh, but with the addition of NIL, with the addition of Transfer Portal, it's really kind of, that is taking the backseat now, because it's, it's a very competitive uh, industry, and if you don't, uh, if you don't, somebody else will, so there's always that pressure to, to do it, so uh, it's a challenge. Uh, I, try to, I try to do the best I can with our coaches to make sure that we do establish uh, some type of work-life balance, uh, because if you don't, you're, you're not going to be effective as a recruiter. Just concluded your spring game. What were the takeaways for you and your staff from that? Yeah, I really, really liked the uh, just the energy, the effort, uh, the focus that the guys had. Uh, all 15 practices that we had, it was fun to watch them go out and have a little bit of fun in Scott Stadium. It's the first time uh, that we've been in Scott Stadium since uh, everything that, that transpired back on uh, November 13th. So it was good to see those guys back in their element, in their safe place, having fun. Thought the game was competitive, even though we we split the rosters up about evenly. So it wasn't like one team was stacked over the other. Uh, and then you also have the challenge of guys that may not have been working specifically together as a unit uh, now having to figure that out so you throw in a little bit of adversity I thought the guys responded really really well had a lot of fun it was competitive stayed healthy and really really you know capitalized on the momentum uh, that we uh, that we started the spring with we've been able to capitalize it and carry it into the uh, to the rest of the uh, the summer. You're known as a very sharp offensive mind from your days at Clemson, and you know that the quarterback position is always the talk of college football. You've got a guy that came in from uh, Monmouth, did really well, and Tony Musket, also Jay Wolfolk, who's a multi-sport standout. Give us the outlook of that position here. Yeah, I'm just excited that, that there's there's competition. I mean, competition is, is what, what breeds championships. You know, when you when you got guys that can compete, healthy competition, uh, but they can compete every single day, uh, it, it helps you to, to develop and have the intensity that you need to have on a daily basis to come in and prepare uh, to the standards. So, 
I'm excited to see it. Then you got Calandria, a freshman uh, guy that came in mid-year, and you got Grady Brosserhouse had a good spring, and Jared Raymond's, you know, the trusted old veteran that's still kind of sticking around, and and so it's just it's just really good to see competition, healthy competition. They all uh, get along, they all root for each other, all pulling for each other, and it'll go all the way into fall camp because Jay's uh, uh, done uh, everything we've asked him to do, uh, been a part of all the practices he was available to be a part of, but uh, he's also you know got a big job on a baseball team too, supporting a top ten uh, baseball team as a, as a reliever and a closer. So, uh, in fairness to him, we're we're not going to to make any decisions on the competition until we get uh, heavy into uh, fall camp. Sure, you got options, you got depth, which is always a good thing to have. A few more later on. Appreciate the time. Uh, you mentioned about the, the tragic and people have been end, tragic ending the last season, and the prayers have been coming from everywhere, even not just Wahoos, people that aren't even Wahoo fans. For yep. all you, give me as you've moved forward here, what you want the identity of Virginia football to be? Do you have it right now, and what do you want it to be if you don't have it yet? You know, the the, the identity of the team. Yeah, we talk about it. We want to be a fit team, fast, intelligent, tough. You know, so that's what I want you to see. And and as a program, we talk about being a program that acts authentic, connected, transparent, and about service. So that's what I want you to see coming out of this. It's just a, a team that has something about them that it's hard to describe, but you know it when you see it, meaning that, hey, there's something bigger than football with these guys. Uh, they're connected. They love each other. They play for each other. Uh, and ultimately, they're appreciative of their opportunity, and they want to use their platform to bring about positive change uh, where they're at and then in the communities of the future. So so if you ask about an identity, I want you to, to think about just a, just a program that's about the right things, doing it the right way. It's about graduating players. It's about developing young men. It's about competing and winning at the highest level and, and then ultimately taking all of those experiences and transferring them into life after football and making a, a truly uh, positive uh, impact in the community. Tough schedule out of the gate. You got Tennessee. Give me a thought on the, those games and how it will harden you for the ACC and what will dictate the level of success you all experience. Right. I, I think what will start with the latter. What will dictate the level of success is just the mindset that these guys uh, have. If they continue to uh, have the attitude that they that they've had this spring, uh, then they'll put in the work uh, in the summer when nobody's looking to be able to to be successful on Saturday. And then Tennessee, uh, obviously, outstanding season that they had last year. Josh Heupel does a, a, a unbelievable job with his uh, with his staff and his players. And it's really an opportunity to see where you're at. I think everybody wants to to play for championships, but uh, there's only one championship game, and so you have to prepare yourself. And so you need to step outside of conference and and play, you know, established and and dominant program to see where you uh, where you stack up and uh, we're gonna be we're gonna know kind of kind of where we're at and, and if the guys have the right mindset uh, and they believe that that every game that they show up they have an opportunity to win and they'll put in the work this summer and and then the score will take care of itself so so no real predictions uh, other than I want to field a team game in and game out that believes that they have what they need to win because they prepared the right way Let's finish up on a fun one, non-football related. I don't know how you do it with you guys never get sleep here, 24-7, 365, with the portal, all this thing going on with transferring so much and so forth. All right, what is Tony Elliott doing in his spare time? What's your hobbies? You going to see movies? You biking? You fishing? What's Tony Elliott and the family doing? Give us something. To be honest with you, right now, don't have any don't have any hobbies. I really just take a nap. You know, if I, if I get some time off, I want to take a nap and and catch up on uh, on some sleep. But uh, my boys are big into baseball, and so so really, when I'm not doing my job, I'm you know doing my job as a father and just. Being being invested in whatever activities that they're a part of. Uh, when we get some time where their activities and my activities are not going on, then, you know, we like to ride side-by-sides and four-wheelers and dirt bikes and go out and get dirty. And uh, so that's probably the hobby of the family when we're not doing, you know, something that's related to, to either my job or to their sports uh, endeavors. Well, Tony, thank you so much. A great catching up with you and all the best this year in Charlottesville and beyond. I appreciate it. Thank you.
So that was our conversation with the head football coach of the Virginia Cavaliers in his second year at the helm, Tony Elliott, earlier this week at the Virginia Beach Sports Club lunch. And it is 757 Saturday Sports Talk. Before we take a break and begin hour number two here, we bring back in the coach, Ed Young. In layman's terms, kind of summarizing what he didn't say that I'll say for him here, my takeaways from his from the conversation and him speaking at the lunch, and Ed, it feels like they're very strong on the defensive line. Quarterback's going to be a battle till fall, like he said, with Tony Musket probably having the edge, the Monmouth transfer over Jay Wolfolk, who could be a pro baseball player out of Benedictine in Richmond. If you read the tea leaves, pieces at running back, at wide receiver that are decent, offensive line revamp, that's going to be a key area for them. Might be a bit thin at linebacker. They have to replace two corners, so that could be a concern. The secondary and also Cam Kelly just announced he's back in the portal. Former Oscar Smith star who was at UNC, was at UVA for about a week and a half, and now might be going to Louisville or there else. Um, and we know Tony Elliott's going through a lot with that whole tragic shooting last November where they had the uh, three football players killed on a uh, bus there by a former player. The schedule is tough out of the gate. I'm going to say this. At Tennessee, September 2nd. Host JMU, September 9th. At AJ's Maryland Terps, September 16th. Biggest game on the schedule for him is hosting JMU because he cannot lose that and possibly start 0-3 because then people will start to chirp and chatter but I feel like there's a little New York Giants to them. And what I mean by that is the Giants last year won a lot with smoke and mirrors. They might have a better team this year but have a worse record. This team might not have a better record right away, but I feel like they're trending upward, though you might not notice it for two, three years from now. I agree. Listen to that schedule. I don't think they beat Tennessee. They will have a struggle with JMU. And based on the things you're telling me they need work on, I think Maryland picks them off. So I'm looking at a one and three, one and two start with JMU, a tough one. And you know, JMU will be up for that. And, and being at the full Division One status, that's a big, that'd be a big victory for their program. By chance, who do they play in their fourth game? Uh, they play, they host NC State, then they're at Boston College. They host the Tribe of William and Mary. And by the way, everything you said was spot on except the, the, the exact comments of pick Maryland off because I think Maryland might be favored by like 10 to 12. Yeah. I wouldn't say pick them off as Rister, ain't, ain't his no, eyebrows raised up when you said pick them ain't off. Ain't no thinking about <laughs> anything, all right? Maryland's going to win that game by like 40. Oh, now that's a little bull. That I, sounds I like just, a Terps fan. I, once again, I just said Maryland will pick them off. Okay. They right. won't. They will not beat Maryland. Rister took it as a slight, uh, though. He took no, it as a slight. No thinking about it. <laughs> he took it He's, as a co- slight. Coach, you said, I think. It's like, uh, I guarantee you. Calm down, AJ. Calm down. He's not, not knocking your turps. Yeah, I, I guarantee you Tennessee will destroy him. Maryland should beat him. Tennessee is way better than Maryland. No, no, no. Ooh, there you go. I like that. Tennessee's two touchdowns better than Maryland. We're, we're just stoking your fire, Ed. Put some respect on Talia's name. Put some respect. We're getting. The, we're going to get Ed really fired up for later in the show. If we come back, we will. I'm, go ahead. I'm no. I'm calm. I'm driving through the woods. I'm oh, just wait. Today, I'm. I'm going to chop down some trees and build a log cabin. I'm. I'm. I'm getting in touch with nature today. Well, as we get in touch with our nature side, we'll take a break and come back with Chris Monter of the Monter Draft News College Basketball News to talk NBA playoffs, a guy that Ed was Christopher Columbus and once discovered, coming up on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1.